The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call. They'd write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of a slurring warmonger to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. The logical fallacy we're looking at this week is the Texas sharpshooter fallacy, also known as the clustering illusion. So the Texas sharpshooter is one of those fallacies that has a little kind of story attached to the name. Mm -hmm. And uh, this one is of a person who is not a sharpshooter. They are inexperienced with a gun and they just fire lots of shots at the side of a barn. And inevitably there are areas where there are more holes than others. And that is where they then go and draw the target around and pretend Uh, that that's what they were going for. Right. So, okay, yeah, yeah. Consequently, this fallacy is about, uh, and actually, kind of a number of different things. One of them is is taking credit for something after the fact that you didn't mm-hmm. predict or couldn't have predicted in advance. But mostly, it's about clustering. It's about finding, in a large amount of data, finding the bits that work for you, finding the bits that tell the story mm-hmm. you want to tell, and drawing your target around there and saying, "Look, see, that proves my point." When actually right. that kind of cluster, that kind of collection of, of data that all seems to point in a particular direction is inevitable if you look at enough stuff. It's a kind of cherry picking. Yeah, it's kind of a cross between cherry picking and post hoc ergo proctor hoc in a way. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. There's definite elements of both. And, and yeah, you'll see in the examples that we mm-hmm. that we choose it is that there's definite elements of both of those and our first example in fact is from trump talking about job numbers a couple of things happened this morning Two hundred twenty-seven thousand jobs great spirit in the country right now so we're very happy about that i think that uh, it's going to continue big league we're bringing back jobs yay big league <laughs> yeah there it is <laughs> continue big league time. yeah and yeah. um yeah so the thing about this is that this was in january 2017 when mm. Obama had been president for most of the month. <laughs> yeah. And and so Trump's claim at the end that we're bringing back jobs because in January there have been 227,000 new jobs in the US obviously yeah. had nothing to do with him whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> Even if he had put any anything in place in his first few days that had a potential to have an impact on jobs, it wouldn't have had time to actually do anything. So, yeah. yeah, he is he is Should picking a number out, by of, then. Yes, exactly, yeah, out, yeah. out of all of the things in the country. He's picking something that is good and saying, yeah, that was me. And also, is there a bit of Texas sharpshooting going on in that he's saying these 270,000 new jobs is going to increase? It shows an increase, but it may well be that actually there are 27,000 
270,000 new jobs, but there had been 500,000 layoffs, then it's not a good spirit in the country. It's not an increase that it's going to continue bigly because he's he's just picking that number and then saying and then telling us that that means an increase. I don't know if that is new jobs or an increase in jobs mm-hmm. from where they were. But one thing is certain that 227,000 new jobs in January, he's saying is a really good thing and, and you know, obviously signs of growth. Yeah. When Obama had 250-something thousand new jobs uh, in a, a month, a few months yeah. previously, Trump was saying how terrible that was <laughs> and how it was not nearly enough uh, compared to what the US needed yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to continue to grow. So, yeah, he's definitely kind of cherry picking the bit well he's not even cherry picking he's just being hypocritical yeah. he's just saying that this is a good thing now and it wasn't a good thing yeah. before so yeah so our second example from trump is uh, actually from when he spoke at the un general assembly this was his second time there and he he announced that in his uh, first two years of of presidency they had achieved more than any other presidency in the past and the entire UN laughed at him. Uh. And <laughs> because it's obviously not true. And, and he was asked about that after the fact by a reporter, and he said this. So I don't know if you can quite hear that, but he said, he said that was meant to get a laugh. Nice. Which is a really weird thing to say, yeah. apart from anything else. Yeah. It's a weird claim that that when you claimed you'd done good things, you were trying to make people laugh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's also betrayed by the fact that uh, immediately as people laughed, he said, well, I wasn't expecting that response. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, so he's definitely moved the target saying... around, doesn't he, to fit. <laughs> yeah. But in saying, oh, yeah, I, I, I meant to get a laugh, basically he is, he is saying, yes, I totally intended to do that. That is, you know, whatever happened yeah. uh, in, in the process of, of me kind of going through life, it was intentional. I didn't make any mistakes. I didn't kind of fire off target at any yeah. point. Everything was co- totally meant to happen exactly as it's it did. It's a bit like when, when so. a cat goes to make a jump and then fails and then just kind of styles it out. <laughs> and uh, and kind of as if yeah. it meant to do it, so you know it will it will overreach itself in jumping between the the fridge and the the sideboard or something, and then kind of crashes to the floor, and then just gets up and saunters off as if it meant to do it. That's and you kind of you kind of, <laughs> absolutely it yeah. makes you wonder who Trump thinks he's looking at him, who 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 is he doing it for? Is, yeah, I don't know. And, and who's going to buy it? Yeah. <laughs> nobody buys no. it and and, no. and nobody kind of just slaps him and says what do you think you're doing who are you doing that for stop it so our third example uh from trump this week is a tweet that he sent on january 22nd 2019 saying merist npr pbs poll shows president trump's approval rating among latinos going to 50 percent an increase in one year of 19 percent thank you working hard and so this is an example of having a large data set. Yeah. So this was a poll that tested lots and lots and lots of different factors and picking the one bit that that looks like a success. Yeah. yeah. Because actually, 
yes, that that in fact that wasn't true what he said, <laughs> but it wasn't true not in his favour for once. He actually got it wrong. It was an increase in one month, nineteen oh, wow. percent, oh, wow. which could be according to uh, to some polling organisations. Uh, Latino populations are notoriously difficult to poll, and and their numbers go up and down more volatilely mm-hmm. than certain other demographics. So it, it it was a kind of a moment when it was momentarily up at yeah. that point. But that poll also showed things like his his overall job performance rating going down to thirty nine percent from forty two percent, which it had been the previous month. And and him losing approval from suburban men, evangelicals, and actually Republicans <laughs> as a whole. Fifty-seven percent of the country at that point saying they will definitely vote against him in twenty twenty. Wow! Yeah. Um, just only seventy-six percent of Trump supporters saying they'll definitely vote for him. So in only wow. three quarters of the people who, you know, rabidly yeah. support yeah. him, saying, "Yep, yeah, we'll definitely go and vote for him." Wow! Um, so it, it was by every measure a really bad poll mm. for him and he picked the one number yeah. that made that's it seem that's like that's it was the bullseye good. yeah 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 and now is the time i think for mark's british politics corner so the uh the example that occurred to me and um uh thanks jim for doing the initial research on this whilst i was ill um was that there must have been something that came out of the post-election uh, over, over, that we had had over here. We've had five in the last three years, so uh, difficult to point at any of them. But that each and every time something comes out, somebody fits um, a meaning to these random sets of um, numbers uh, in order to substantiate their particular argument. And uh, the one that we're going to focus on is that the... Uh, in the 2017 election, there was a new polling method that was used by YouGov, and I was horrified earlier to find that I'd typed YouGov, which um, is <laughs> quite ghastly, and then going back and just seeing it on the screen. It's a very specific polling exactly. organisation, just finds out what people think of Michael yeah, Gove. or what Michael <laughs> Gove thinks of people. <laughs> we kind of know that every time. Yeah, so... Uh, so they had unveiled this new polling method method for the 2017 election, which was Theresa May's um, snap election that happened in June 2017. Um, and they called it MRP, MRP, which stands for multi-level regression and post-stratification. Um, and the way it works is that rather than just get a gather a panel that represents the entire country, they conducted... 50,000 interviews a week without worrying too much about who answered them. And then they used this statistical procedure, multi-level regression and post-stratification to adjust the results to be more reflective of the overall population. So they just kind of, I've, I've heard these kind of statistical things for quantitative surveys and qualitative surveys in the work that I do in international development. They often survey the uh, communities that we're working in in order to find out what it is that, that they're worried about most and all that kind of stuff and and whether they engage with the programs that my particular bit of um, uh, BBC makes and then they uh, t- to see whether a they engage in more um, 
uh, more healthy health behaviors or engage with more political bits and they they use these regression analyses in order to weed out people who are already um doing healthy things or already engaged with political stuff so it was for me it was quite um a surprise that they hadn't been doing it that way forever um but it was hailed as an amazing thing because it correctly predicted in 2017 that there would be a hung parliament and they also individually uh, correctly predicted that um tory seats like canterbury and kensington would go to labor which was a shock at the time and therefore this election poll was polling method was hailed as a miracle thing but I counted them, and in 2017, there were around 88 different polls conducted throughout the election campaign from the day she announced the election to the election day itself. So why did we just focus on the YouGov one? Because it just fitted this. There was a bunch of results that were really closely aligned with one of the polls. So everybody went, wow, look at that poll. Um, And... At that time, New Scientist magazine reported that they slightly underestimated the number of seats in Parliament this would correspond to, predicting 302, where the actual figure was 318. They also underestimated the vote share of the opposition party Labour, 38%, when it was 40 in reality. Then they say, however, this is all within their self-stated margins of error, other polls predicted as much as a 12-point conservative lead all the way down to a one-point conservative lead. So there's basically it's just saying, yeah, this poll was in the middle of the range and it got fairly near, you know, though, even though they say they got it wrong in two places and yeah. that it was within their self-stated margins of error. So they even said, well, this is within a margin of error in order to kind of cover, not only have they drawn the target around the <laughs> barn, you know, around the bullets on the barn, they've drawn the target on the the entire whole side of the barn. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the key there really is whether those margins of error were stated before mm, the election. Yeah. Um, and, and that's one of the things about the, the, the Texas Sharpshooter fantasy is in science it comes where people are... Um, doing some experiments and then looking to to find what they can see in the data right. yeah. rather than starting from a point where they think, okay, let's examine this. Yeah. Let's see if we can find evidence for this it. or find yeah, evidence yeah. against yeah. this and then do the experiment. Mm. And so, yeah, the, the question there is if they, if they said, okay, we're going to do this, this methodology based on our analysis, this methodology will give us an accurate reading With- within – this you know, six points or yeah, yeah. ten points, or yeah. whatever. Then fair enough. If they do that, and then and then they get to within that point. Yeah. If they were the only poll, if they're the only poll you're looking at, that that shows that they're accurate. Yeah. But as you say, it, when they are one of almost a hundred yeah. different polls, yeah, it's not surprising some of them are going to get quite close. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and the um, Andy Morris, the chief innovation officer at YouGov, who kind of implemented this system said it came as a bit of a surprise to much of the commentariat, but the result was very close to what we were expecting with our model. The science behind it suggested it was the way to do it. Yeah, really, is there science behind that? I think they're (laughs) kind of confusing that with the cluster effects because they're they're saying, oh, well, the result was very close to what we were 
what we had modelled. So the ultimate result was yeah. close to what we'd modelled. So we'll do it like that again. But that's that's not science. That's post hoc, proto <laughs> hoc, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, that's and that is why in science you need to replicate. Mm. You need to yeah. do your studies more than once and see if or or need other people to do your studies using the same methodology and see if they get the same results because if you have a hundred people all doing something a bit different and one of them gets close mm. afterwards they can say yeah i knew it would be yeah. good but <laughs> yeah yeah all of them thought it would be good before they started yeah <laughs> yes exactly yeah and and it came as a bit of surprise a bit of a surprise that it was very close yeah well i guess the thing yeah. the thing that uh, they touted again in 2019. They said, you know, the model which correctly called 93% of the seats in 2017 currently shows that a small conservative majority is likely. Uh, that when that was the poll that they put out on the 10th of December, two days ahead of the actual election um, last year. So they're kind of saying, well, it shows a small conservative majority is likely. Well, they were wrong because it was a massive conservative majority. And I think they're also putting in, there's an argument from antiquity there saying, well, we did this in 2017 and it correctly predicted it. So we're using that again. And also, I think there's a little bit of an ad populum in there as well. After much anticipation, on behalf of who, you know, we go, oh, yeah, let's, this yeah. is the one we Everyone is looking yeah. at this because they all think this is going to yeah. do it. Yeah. But actually, um, it predicted two days ahead that the Tories would win 339 uh, and that Labour would only win 231. Um, and at the time of that time, Tom, uh, journalist Tom Chivers tweeted, um, he actually said, is there a potential Texas sharpshooter fallacy here? There were dozens of polls, projections and forecasts in 2017, nearly 100. You'd expect some to be close by sheer chance. Afterwards, we picked the one that was and say that was the right one, drawing a target around the bullet hole. So that's why everybody is in much anticipation. We've only got YouGov's word for that, um, that we were looking forward to this one. So the numbers to remember were 339 and 231. And here is the exit poll uh, being announced uh, on the night of the election at 10pm after polling stations closed by the BBC. Our exit poll is suggesting that there will be a Conservative majority when all the votes are counted after this election of December 2019. The Conservatives on 368 seats and Labour way down on 191. So nowhere near what YouGov had predicted. And actually, that was the exit poll, which was different when the actual results came in because the Tories were on 365 and Labour on 203. So the exit poll was wrong too. And then I did a poll. It was pretty close. Pretty close. Yeah. I mean, and that, yeah. but way off YouGov. And um, yeah. so in my own quick poll of reports on the marvel of MRP, Afterwards, no one seems to be lauding it like they did last time. And uh, Benjamin Lauderdale, the professor of political science at UCL, noted in a series of tweets that day after the election that the overall performance was mixed. The headline conservative seat prediction was too low. We overpredicted the Brexit party. Um, we did we, and then some of his questions are did we ask the wrong people uh, or did we ask them at the <laughs> wrong time? Uh, and then he said, we underestimated swings by leave share. 
Um, and then he asked, did we, were they the wrong kinds of leave supporters in the sample? Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sounds like exactly. Yeah, that was quite good. <laughs> and there was differential turnout or mismodeling of relative turnout rates for leave versus remain because there was a big thing, big kind of correlation between uh, the constituencies that had voted more than 60% leave in the referendum voted Tory and those that had voted more than 60% remain voted Labour. There was a correlation drawn there um, and the YouGov thing had kind of missed that. So Benjamin Lauderdale says he will be returning to this uh, in the new year once sufficient data has been collected on reported votes to properly assess the details of any late swings. So to kind of work out where that bit in between the two days of their poll that they published, so it must have been from data that they had up to that day, so it could well be three days late, three days out of, you know, uh, a day out of date when they published it, and then they've got two more days to go to the election, so there will be a massive set of late swings in there, possibly, or they got it completely it wrong. It seems quite unlikely, doesn't exactly. it? I mean, the main thing I yeah. remember from the last couple of days of, of election campaigning was Boris Johnson hiding in a fridge to avoid an interview with yes, Good Morning Britain. Exactly, yeah. So I don't know that there were... Unless everyone thought, yeah, I hate Piers Morgan, yeah, well, yeah. I'd do that, yeah. and voted for him, then, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, yeah. maybe. Oh, well, <laughs> who knows? Yeah, which I think leads you to think that actually you can't poll this stuff yeah but it's but the the other thing that i kind of um realized is i'd be quite excited to read that report and then it did occur to me <laughs> the stuff we read and the stuff we get excited about <laughs> so brit poll example number two just a quick one which is another one that uh, jim felmoy for me thank you very much this is from new financial magazine dated september 2017 so this is post theresa may's hung parliament um, and it says uh, another week, another set of numbers that send completely contradictory messages about the impact of Brexit on the city of London. This week, the recruitment firm Robert Waters said that the city had shrugged off concerns over Brexit and that hiring had surged 37% in July compared to last year. Meanwhile, a rival firm, Morgan McKinley, published its own research saying recruitment had dropped by 11% over the same period and that the city was hemorrhaging talent as a result of Brexit. So they got their own uh, individual bits of survey and then they'd extrapolated to say what the city was doing. So it's both at the same time it shrugged off concerns and yet as hemorrhaging talent as a result of Brexit. Yeah, essentially both those companies are looking at the exact same data. You know, there is a, a real number of of how many jobs are being recruited in the city and how many people are leaving. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they've both looked at their data and picked some numbers that show what they want. Yes, exactly. To yeah. Yeah. That, that to me, yes, says exactly that the target is drawn wherever the drawer wants to draw it to record the, the particular hits according to their own viewpoint. So, um, yeah, very much kind of cherry picking kind of way of doing it. So you know, you actually, the thing to do is to not look at the data, but to look who's picking it. Well, look at the data too and get some context. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
Gary Newman there with anything in particular. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, as I was sitting waiting for the breakdown truck after I got um, sideswiped on Friday, um, I was thinking, yeah, I should do one about cars, and then that that popped into my head. And uh, and also, I realised on listening to it, it doesn't have a chorus. All that time, you just keep going. It just you get a verse, (laughs) and then you get twiddly bits on the synthesizers. So in The Fallacy in the Wild, we like to talk about the fallacy of the week from a non-political perspective. And this week, our first example is from the excellent math-based FBI drama, Numbers. Mm -hmm. And uh, in this particular episode, there has been a a sinkhole opened up at a local school. And there's some suggestion that it's the, the poor material that has been used to create the playground that has caused this issue. And the FBI are looking into it and Charlie is helping them. Okay, I have two cases of leukemia at the school now and three cases in children who attended in the past. Charlie, what are the odds of this many cancers in a small school? You're talking about cancer clusters. Statistically rare. More likely this is a case of Texas sharpshooting. Mm-hmm. I'd say there's a guy who's never held a gun before and he aims at the side of a barn and he shoots. And when he's done, he draws a circle around the closest shots, ignores the others, and he declares himself a Texas sharpshooter. Right, and cancer clusters are just like that. People overinterpret the evidence. Yeah, here we go. Hmm. So for anyone who hasn't seen this series, there's a group of FBI agents and the brother of the head of the department is a maths professor. So he comes and helps out with uh, basically all their cases right. <laughs> have involve some kind of math problem yeah. that he needs to do some kind of technical modelling of or something like that. Yeah. And in this case, what they're looking at is a, a firm that has been um, fraudulently using actually toxic waste to, to put down tarmac on kids' playgrounds right. and has been causing... In fact, in this instance, the cancer cluster is real. Ah. Ah, because right. they discover that, that the toxic waste has not been properly processed and it is causing diseases in this local yep. school. But what Charlie's talking about is is absolutely a real mm. situation. People massively overinterpret areas where there seem to be more illnesses mm. or more mm. uh, instances of cancer or leukemia. And in fact, there's a very famous study uh, out of Sweden in, I think, 1992, mm. Uh, where they looked at the idea that, that power lines were causing leukaemia in children. Right. But they didn't look at instances of childhood leukaemia near power lines. Yeah. What they did was they looked at all of the people in Sweden who live within 300 metres of a power line. Right. And 800 different diseases. Yeah. Yeah. To see if there was any correlation. <laughs> right. Yeah. And when you look at that kind of massive amount of data... Yeah, there is going to be some correlation. Yeah. It's going to be because randomness is clumpy. Yes, exactly. Because and... power lines go to <laughs> communities and people live mm-hmm. in communities and people are the ones that get diseases. So Yeah, and yeah. even if the spread of a disease or, or, or a disorder is completely random, mm. there are going to be areas where 
um, it's it's stronger, and there are going to be out of that number of things that you're looking at areas where it seems more. And in fact, what they found uh, was a correlation of uh, more than four times the expected average number of people who would have leukemia mm-hmm. who lived near a power lines, and and that was at the time seen as you know yeah. practically evidence yeah. of this happening but when they've tried to replicate that in other countries and you know that there isn't a significant difference in the power lines or anything like that what they found is it just doesn't replicate because there wasn't an effect it was purely random it was an effect of looking at that many different things and and a data set that huge yeah actually it makes me think of those remember when we talked about that um website that does kind of random correlations between things like spurious yeah yeah that so there's that kind of it's almost an application of that isn't it you've got two random things that you're shoving together and then because we're meaning making machines we make the you know deaths by shark correlate with matthew mcconaughey film releases because (laughs) the curve goes up at the same time yeah, absolutely. That website totally relies on Texas Sharpshooter mm. because what they're doing is comparing loads of different kinds of data. Yeah. Data of, of you know, film releases and, and accidents and different ways that people have died and the price of mayonnaise in Maryland yeah. and all kinds of different things. And eventually they find stuff that correlates. Yeah. And it doesn't mean they have any relationship no, no. whatsoever. They just, they just look just, the same. It's... It would be weird if, if you looked at that much stuff, you didn't get two mm. things that seemed to go uh, in yeah. the same direction yeah. at the same time. So our second example in this uh, fallacy in the wild this week is from Darren Brown. And this is from a special that he did called The System. Um, the main point of this particular special was a horse racing system that he had come up with where a woman thought that she was getting repeated good tips on horse races. And what they actually did was create uh, um, different tips for 7,767 people or 76 people, I think, um, on a six horse race and then gradually narrowed them down as they as they got uh, inevitably one in six of those people got a correct tip for the first yeah. race because they gave each of the groups a different tip and then they split them up into a group of six and gave them another tip. And by the end, they had someone who had been given five tips in a row on six horse races that had all been correct. Yeah. yeah. And and it wasn't because they knew what they were doing. It was because inevitably someone is going to have the right answer if you just keep mm. doing it that way. Mm. So, but this particular clip is from a method that he used to kind of demonstrate the inevitability of certain things happening. And what he did was he said, I will flip this coin, and it's a a fair coin, heads on one side, tails on the other. I will flip it 10 times in a row and get 10 heads in a row. And he had a camera on a bowl that he was flipping it into. The cameras didn't cut away, and he did it. And at the time, at the beginning of the episode, you're looking at it and thinking, well, that... I mean, how can you do that? It's obviously a trick. But it wasn't a trick. He really did it. And then later on in the episode, he explained how he did it. What you saw was the final minute of what was an excruciatingly long day. We filmed for over nine hours until eventually a clear run of heads appeared. Nine heads. Last one. The impossible became inevitable. Ten. Ten heads in a row. Thank you very much indeed. 
So that's the thing. It's yeah. incredibly yeah. unlikely to get 10 heads in a yeah. row until you do it a lot. Yeah. And then it's definitely, definitely going to happen. Yeah. And it's interesting that he says at the final minute of filming, well, it's only the final minute yeah. because they've stopped after that. Yeah, then they yeah, stopped. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's also there's YouTube um, clips of that kind of arrangement in a in a triangle of wine glasses and then somebody bouncing um, ping pong balls into the wine glasses. Mm-hmm. So the camera is this side. And there's one where there's like 18 glasses or whatever. And there's a guy and he gets to the 17th one and he's going, yeah, and he bounces. And then the last one just hits the rim and goes off and he just goes, ah, oh, no. But you're <laughs> there all the way along. And actually there's something more accessible about the fact that it's failed rather than if they all went in. It's like those ones where people have got their backs turned and they just fling the thing over their head and it goes through the basket and that you see yeah. on those compilations of, you know, like a boss videos. And you think, well, how many times did they do it when it didn't go in and they just submit the one where it does go in? And that, you know, that's the that's the system that we, um, we're outside of that. There's the Texas Sharpshooter going on right there, isn't it? You yeah. only submit the one Absolutely. where you hit. Absolutely, and... and yeah, when if you if Darren had written down all of the heads and tails that he'd got on that day, basically, mm. what essentially what he did was he wrote a long string of H's and T's, yeah. and and then when there was ten H's in a row, he drew a circle around. Yeah, them. yeah that's, that's it. what he did. Yeah, yeah. They edited that bit and showed that bit on TV. Yeah, and yeah, it's 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 picking the bit where it goes yeah. right and and claiming that that was what you meant to do the whole. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and and that's the the marvel of telly and he's very good at subverting that because you watch it and you know he he sets you up and says i'm going to flip 10 heads in a row mm-hmm. and then he says and here and he shows you you know we're not going to cut here's the two cameras you'll see it all in one shot and you think oh blimey he's done it and he, how has he possibly done it? well they just filmed it until he did it and then showed <laughs> us that bit so the edit was either end yeah. of the yeah wasn't the uh, wasn't the bit in the middle yeah so it also occurred to me um, since since I got sideswiped on Friday, the meaning making machine thing and how that works, and this will kind of lead through into possibly how a creationist views evolution as well. So bear with me. So in in the cra- in my crash, um, so given that in the UK there are thirty eight point four million cars on the road, what are the chances of one colliding with mine? And I figured, well, because there's two vehicles out of the total, are the ch- chances therefore halved? So is it 19.4 million to one? Or is it because each and every car could possibly hit each and every other car? Is it eighty? Is it 38.4 million factorial? Which is an enormous number because one <laughs> million factorial has 5.5 billion figures in it. And given that the number of atoms in the known universe is a number which only has 82 figures in it, that's hugely improbable. So given that this is enormous thing, of millions and billions upon billions to one, that I could be hit by this other car, you can see how it would possibly lead to seeking an explanation as to why me. You think this is so um, improbable that it must, the fact that it happened, it must be a conspiracy. It it, it must <laughs> have significance. It was ordained. It was foreshadowed. Yeah. It was in the stars. And there is the meaning-making target being drawn around the data. And I, I 
put it to you that it's because dumb luck is just too frightening. Um, the the landmark forum, the the landmark organisation that does the landmark forum, has this tenet empty and meaningless, which they ascribe to the universe mm-hmm. on the basis that given that the universe is empty and meaning, emptying and meaningless, there is no meaning attached to what's happening to you in your life. You can make your own meaning. It's, you know, it's a frightening prospect that there is no one in charge of anything except for you. So, and given that there's no one in charge, you can do what you like. You can make your own meaning out of your life. And that's the whole basis of their philosophy. Um, yeah. And weirdly, the, uh, despite the fact it's empty and meaningless, that same morning on Friday, a truck ran a red light and nearly T-boned me, which in the movie narrative of the day would have been the foreshadowing <laughs> moment. And if only we knew how to read those moments for the meaning they truly contained, we could you know, live our lives slightly differently. And I think what that – so here's the evolution bit – I think that's how the notion of a creator comes into talks about evolution because, you know, what are the odds that humans evolved? What are the odds of that? It's such an immense number, uh, so highly improbable, that, and yet it happened. So there must be a creator's hand at work because that's, that's yeah. how you make meaning out of it. Yeah, and of course the thing is that, that we are only able to have that question because we evolved in the way that we did and 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 it's the question is it's about what are the odds of it happening if you were starting before all of it that's the point the odds are staggeringly small if before any of it starts you go okay what are the odds of us getting to this end point (laughs) the odds of us getting to this end point from where we are now are one in one because <laughs> it happened and there were loads of other possible endpoints that equally we would be saying well what are the chances of that <laughs> in the same way as yeah you you getting hit by another car if you'd said that morning what are the chances of it happening then the chance would be very small but the chances of someone getting hit are staggeringly huge and you're only looking at it after the fact from the perspective of someone who it happened to in the same way as, as basically the anthropocentric model of the universe saying, you know, the fine tuning model essentially is saying, you know, this, this is clearly um, designed for us, this universe, because, because it fits us so well, despite the fact that by far the vast majority of the universe is incredibly hostile towards us. Yeah. Uh, even the majority of the earth is incredibly hostile to us, but, um, yeah, it's like it's like Douglas Adams' puddle. Yeah, where yep. there's you know I, this is an interesting hole I find myself, and it mm. fits me rather neatly. Yes, it must have been designed for me, yeah. and only me. Exactly, and I'm perfectly suited to be in it. It, but it's got to have been made purely for my existence. Yes. Yeah. So when you look at things from after the fact, the the odds of those things happening look very mm. much different from when you're looking before. And in fact, there's a there's an XKCD uh, comic yeah. that I wanted to mention that looks at the, the kind of scientific version of this, the, of the Texas Sharpshooter. Um, and it starts with someone asking scientists to investigate whether jelly beans cause acne. <laughs> right, yeah. And so 
the scientists look into it and say, no, with a P of uh, greater than 0.05, we have found that there is no link yep. between jelly beans and acne. Yep. And then they say, okay, well, I, I've heard that it's only a certain color. So then they test all of the colors and there's more than 20 different colors. And the thing about the p-value that, that scientists generally use to look at significance is, uh, although it's not exactly this, it's close to it, there's there's a 5% chance or lower that the results you get are due to coincidence. And if you look at more than 20 things and look for the same result, by chance, 5% of the time, one of those is going to give you the result that you're looking for. <laughs> if they're if the chances of it happening by chance are one twentieth, five percent. So in the cartoon, they find, you know, all of the other uh, colors, they don't have a link, but green jelly beans do have a link. In, in science, it's about having that hypothesis to start with and deciding what data you're going to look at and where you're going to stop and what method you're going to use uh, and all of that stuff before you start doing your experiment. And and just finally in this section, I just yep. wanted to talk about a uh, website which you can kind of go and do this yourself. There's right. a thing called p-hacking, which yep. is when uh, that, that p-value, that 0.05 threshold, um, is is what scientists say is, is significance. There's a lot of kind of debate over whether it is the correct number to use, but it's it's a threshold yep. to say that... that um, you know, the, the results you're getting aren't probably due to chance. There's a, there's a low likelihood that actually the results you're getting are due to chance. Right. But with p-hacking, what some scientists do, some of the less scrupulous scientists, <laughs> is they they don't do that whole thing where they set up the experiment in advance, decide exactly when they're going to stop and what, what they're going to look at. Yeah. They will kind of monitor the results as they go. And when the results get to a level where the p-value is lower than 0.05, then they stop and say, ah, we've achieved it. We found significance. Uh -huh. When in fact, if yeah. they'd continued with their experiment, they may not do. Yeah. And there's, there's, an, uh, there's a website at projects.538.com slash p-hacking yeah. where you can use a data set of um, the, the economy uh, so you can look at employment, inflation, GDP, and stock prices. And then you can look at whether um, Republican or Democrat presidents, governors, senators, or representatives mm -hmm. were in power at the time. You can include or exclude recessions, and you can factor in uh, the the more powerful positions. Uh, and what you can do basically is is mess around with those and click yeah. on the little checkboxes uh, yeah, until you get a significant yeah. response yeah and, and result and you will get a significant result and it doesn't mean anything it doesn't no. mean that you know when there's a republican president uh so i've just i've just literally clicking around done one now if you look at employment and stock prices um and republican presidents you find that there is a significant negative result that republican presidents have on the economy maybe that's true but you can't base it just on this because what they've done is taken a huge data set and just messed around with the numbers until they find something that fits that criteria of being lower than 0 0.05 significant. So Okay, yes, because what I did with that one, immediately I kind of did it with the Republicans and then I switched to the Democrats and then all of them came up publishable 
and green and and i thought ah like instantly my cognitive bias was satisfied and then i and then i kept clicking until i found one and went oh yeah well there you go that's yeah you can't publish that data because the yeah is wrong yeah it's wrong <laughs> it's not wrong it's, it has no meaning it's just below the threshold you would want to publish that's that's it this is uh darren brown's flipping the coin in action isn't it so you just keep um, he's not going to publish it until he's flipped ten in a row. So you just keep tweaking the um, the inputs until you get one that is publishable, and then you stop. And it's a really good example that of um, how people can manipulate figures using large data sets to to show what they want to show. And it doesn't necessarily mean it. Although, if you don't have the context, it looks like that thing has essentially been proved. So we're going we're gonna to play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody. As well as anybody. Yes, it's time for fake news, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. And I realise that actually in the playing of this game, there are moments, if you look at the overall, the distribution of when I win, those ones are clearly displaying the moments when the questions are a lot easier. So there's, mm. <laughs> there's yeah, clustering there, going on. There are bits where you've got three or four right in a row, I think. Exactly. So, yeah. yeah. So, so there's got to be that. Those sections. Yeah. Those bits well. clearly show that I'm <laughs> great at this game. And, um, you know, it's just the bits in between, just to gloss, gloss over those because they have no meaning. Those bits don't mean anything. It's the bits where I've got three or four in a row that's the important stuff to look at. And the, the score at the end, it's a, it's a woeful distortion of the truth. Yes. <laughs> so the theme this week is uh, in, recently, before mm. he found Iran as a good distraction from impeachment, he, yeah. he seemed yeah. weirdly to be focused on uh, the evils of conserving water. So um, <laughs> we've oh, got... Okay. A, we've got right. We've got three quotes about uh, about appliances, basically, and and how right. how <laughs> okay. things used to be better. <laughs> yeah, Which when they were on steam, rallies. weirdly. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah so, it's inconsistent with steam on the boats. Okay, right. So statement number one. Yeah, you have areas where there's so much water you don't know what to do with it. You turn on the shower, you're not allowed to have any water anymore. I mean, we do a lot of it. Dishwashers. We did the dishwasher, right? You press it. Remember the dishwasher? You press it. Boom, there'd be like an explosion. Five minutes later, you open it up. The steam pours out. The dishes. Now you press it 12 times. Women tell me. Again, you know, they give you four drops of water. Okay. <laughs> Statement number two. <laughs> right. We have a situation. He's never where used we're a looking... dishwasher in his life. <laughs> well, women tell yeah. him. We have yeah, a situation yeah. where we're looking very strongly at sinks and showers and other elements of bathrooms where you turn the faucet <laughs> on in areas where there's tremendous amounts of water, where the water rushes out to sea because you can never handle it and you don't get any water. You turn on the faucet, you don't get any water. They take a shower and water comes dripping out. It's dripping out, very quietly dripping out. <laughs> It's almost like a haiku. They <laughs> take a shower and water comes dripping out. It's dripping out very quietly, dripping out. It's, it's, it's kind of the, and then the, it's like Spock's brain. That bit where they take his brain out and they put it back in, and he tells them how to fix it. And eventually, <laughs> you know, the knowledge just go drips out of McCoy's head in in much the same very quietly, way. very quietly dripping out. 
Yeah. And statement number three. We've got the EPA look at, they're looking at it on my suggestion, this toilet situation where you flush and you get a tiny amount of water. They used to be so powerful. It was incredible. And now you have to flush maybe 20 times and it still doesn't work. It's not me, but people tell me. They flush 20 or 30 times. They're in there all day and it's crazy. The water is there, so much water, but they don't let you have it. We're going to change that. <laughs> it's going gonna to make flushing great again. <laughs> but yeah, it's not me, but people tell me. So, yeah, I've, it's not true. People have made it up. It's not that I'm making it up. They flush 20 or 30 times. They're in all day. It's a, it's a stand-up routine, isn't it, <laughs> about how life was in the 50s. Yeah. You know, remember those machines? They were huge. They Yeah. And they put them on a turntable, and we all looked at them. It's, there's a who's the, there's a comic in the UK called Peter Kay who who incenses me immensely because he's too young to be making gags about the things he makes gags about because they're about life in the fifties and sixties, twenty years before he was born. Yeah, but so, he's a northern comic, so you know. Ah, right. Yeah, in the north, yeah, so it's like it's all ten years, ago. years out of date. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Exactly. It's it's exactly like that, where they had big dishwashers um, and elements of bathrooms where you turn the faucet on. There's in areas where there's tremendous tremendous amount of water, where the water rushes out to sea because you know, well, okay, right. Uh, so I've got to try and make sense. He, of, he said two well, of they're these. All, they're all just ridiculous. Okay, and he actually said two of these. Right. Well. Mm, okay. So one of them's actually got some some agency in there looking at this toilet situation with the, with a knot. You know, the Environmental Protection Agency wouldn't be looking at t- t- toilets that used to be so powerful. It's incredible. Okay, that one. All right. Uh, we have a situation we're looking at strongly at sinks and showers and other elements of bathrooms. You turn the faucet on. Over the tremendous amount of water. You turn on the faucet, you don't get any water. They take... It's dripping, it's quietly dripping out. I like that one. That's very poetic. It's almost like somebody wrote it. Um, you have areas of so much water, you don't know what to do with it. They turn on the shower and you're not allowed to have water anymore. I mean, we do a lot of it. Dishwashers. We did the dishwasher, right? Okay. Right. Okay, I think the I think the number two is the one you made up. Okay, the the dripping out, very quietly yeah. dripping out. Yeah, okay. because so, the other ones have kind of got appeals to crowds. Of the other two, which do you think you are more confident about? I think I'm more confident about the EPA number okay. three. So number three yeah. is yeah. fake news. Whoa. Nice work. Well, that's the one Wow. <laughs> that is so good because it's got that mid-sentence bit when he goes, we've got the EPA look at. They're looking at it on my suggestion. There you, that is so good. They used to be so powerful. I can see where you got that from, from the other two now. <laughs> it was incredible. Now you have to flush right. That is very good. He has see? he has talked about flushing lots of times. He, I doubled it. He said he said 10 to 15 times. 
Right. Um, he hasn't talked about them. I don't think he's talked about the EPA looking at it. Um, yeah. And and the fact that they're in there all day. That's just all. That that's all made great. up. So. Yeah. No, it's really yeah. God damn you! That's <laughs> excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. means he did say number one. <laughs> oh my god oh yeah, no so much water you don't know what to do with it you turn on the shower you're not allowed to have any water anymore i mean we do a lot of it uh dishwashers we did the dishwasher right you press it remember the dishwasher you'd press it boom there'd be like an explosion five minutes later you open it up the steam pours out the dishes now you press it 12 times women tell me again you know they give you four drops of water remember the dishwasher yeah, <laughs> yeah. You press it; it goes boom. They'd be like an explosion. It's what is he talking about? Why? <laughs> Why is he talking about this? There is it true that you only get four drops? Of, it's no. It's just huge amounts of hyperbole. Huge, and. I mean, but well, why? It's it's a it's an electronic switch. Why would you need to press it twelve times, even if they yeah. did restrict the water that much? Why would you need to turn the dishwasher yeah. on twelve times? He's never used the dishwasher. <laughs> has he? No, he well, thinks it's like a no, pump. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it, no, he hasn't ever used the dishwasher because you don't open it five minutes later. You would have to have an explosion. You'd have to have some massive steam thing. That's what he's seen it in a documentary. Yeah. No, he's seen it in Ratatouille, that <laughs> that movie where they put the rats through the thing and they steam clean them with the, the kind of big they, you know, dishes. <laughs> yeah, the, the the everything. You press it, the rats. Now you press it twelve. The, women tell me again. You know they give you four drops. It's just this man is in charge of the country. Yeah. And <laughs> and he said uh, number two no. with, the, with the haiku at the end. No. <laughs> we have a situation where we're looking very strongly at sinks and showers and other elements of bathrooms where uh, you turn the faucet on in areas where there's tremendous amounts of water, where the water rushes out to sea because you could never handle it, and you don't get any water. You turn on the faucet, you don't get any water. They take a shower and water comes dripping out. It's dripping out, very quietly dripping out. <laughs> well, that is lovely, isn't it? <laughs> it just kind of dripping off. out. It's dripping out, very quietly dripping out. It sounds like um, William Shatner, doesn't it? <laughs> it's dripping out, very quietly <laughs> dripping Where, where are there areas where... There's so much water that it water. rushes out to sea because yeah, you could never handle, handle it. it. In the in something mind, what's that Jim Carrey Eternal movie? Sunshine in the Spotless Mind. In the, yes, yeah. where the he's suddenly the sea is in the bathroom or is in yeah. the house. That's the only place. That's <laughs> it. He's seen he's seen a bunch of movies that yeah. contain water, and that's big water. I'm surprised ocean he didn't water. big water. Ocean water. <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't say. You know, you, we had the dishwasher, we had boats, we did boats. There was like a huge <laughs> mechanical shark and you had to press it not once but 12 <laughs> times before it would eat the boat. Yeah, that's just, I love that when he's trying to list things. <laughs> We're looking for, no, and A, nobody looks very strongly at things. Nobody, <laughs> you, that's not a, a, an adverb that you use to describe looking. And then he lists sinks and showers and other elements of bathrooms where you turn the faucet on. Well, apart from well, B-days, maybe? 
six <laughs> showers. What else is there that you turn the faucet on? And it's dripping out very quietly, dripping out. <laughs> yeah. That's hilarious. So. Lovely set. Damn, I lost. <laughs> yes, I'm afraid you did lose, which puts you at now 15 out of 40, which is 37.5%. Um, there you are. See, so still, still above chance. That was, yeah. <laughs> you see, I would just, yeah, that's the bit I'm going to get. Just, I'm way above chance. In a, in a YouGov poll, <laughs> that would be a significant result. So it's time for the part of the show that this week, at least, is called Psychic Predictions Are Not a Logical Fallacy. No, wait, they totally are. My bad. It's the beginning of 2020. It's the beginning of a new decade. So naturally, yep. we want yep. to know what's going to happen. What's going to happen. And yeah. who should we turn to but psychics? Uh, because yeah. they, they will tell us, obviously, what, the, what the will proof. happen in the future. Yes. Yep. And, yep. and so the psychic that I have chosen... To, mm. to tell us what's going to happen in the next year is yep. is uh, a woman called Psychic Nikki, Psychic to the Stars. Who, that's uh, handy that that's her name. <laughs> yeah. And that a, she's moved into this profession. Quite that's a coincidence. Yeah. Yeah. Among her um, her clients, she claims, are Cher, Tom Cruise, Roger <laughs> Whittaker, which is a bit weird, uh, Matt which Dillon. Is dead. Yeah. Rod Stewart. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so... Scientologists and freaks, clearly, basically. Yeah, clearly yeah, yeah. very, um, very uh, whistling successful. Whistling South Americans. No, South and, Africans. <laughs> and yeah. on her um, her website, she has a list of mm. predictions for 2020. And at the top of the page, she lists the, the ones she got right for 2019. And it's pretty impressive. She lists yeah. uh, over 60 things that she got right. So clearly yeah. this woman knows what she's talking about. Um, there's, there's no. But if you look, if you look more closely, you notice <laughs> in the brackets after each one, she puts the number yeah. in the list of predictions from whence it came. That's to prove <laughs> that last year she made these predictions, and in her list last year, that's where where yeah. they came. So, yeah, yeah, but we don't know how many she did in total last year. She could have just done an infinite number of well, them. We can. Oh, well, have she a wouldn't look. have done an infinite number because she would <laughs> still be doing it. But we, this, we can have a this, look at how many she does because okay. this year she's yeah. done over a thousand for 2020. <laughs> right. Okay. So, okay. so sixty. A little bit of Texas sharpshooting going on. Yeah. Sixty. Correct. Yeah. Out of a thousand predictions is already not fantastic if you're psychic. But yeah. then if we actually look Perhaps at. Perhaps she saw that coming. <laughs> Yeah. If yeah. we look at what some of the ones that she's claiming she got right were, yeah, then we see that actually sometimes things come up twice. Um such Oh as, really? Yeah. Such as um Duke of Edinburgh has to watch health, number twelve in Royals predictions. Also yeah. in world predictions, Duke of Edinburgh Prince yeah. Philip has to watch his health number three hundred and sixty seven. So she predicted that twice last year uh, and it came right okay. both times. Um that, oh, that okay, the ninety-four-year-old yeah. Duke of Edinburgh might have some health issues. <laughs> that was yeah. that was something she she <laughs> predicted. Palpatine, I mean, nobody to his friends. Yeah. nobody could have known yeah. that was going to happen. That is no. obviously proof that she is uh, psychic. And yeah, um, yeah, a lot the of the other one I like is is earthquake in San Francisco. Yep, I mean that never happens, does it? No, no. yeah. 
Near, she does, near San Andreas in she, particular. She right? does, yeah. And, also, and next to that, Earthquake, earthquake in, LA. in LA. Absolutely, Also yeah. near, pretty near <laughs> San Andreas, isn't yeah, it? There's, yeah, she does yeah. predict a lot of earthquakes on fault lines. Uh, that's interesting. Oh, okay, and yeah. A lot of <laughs> yeah. uh, also just things like protests and riots worldwide, generally. Yeah, yeah okay. But then yeah. if you actually look at it, that some of these things are things like uh, a large earthquake in Anchorage, Alaska. Now, mm. I don't know. Maybe I I don't yeah. I don't pay enough attention to Anchorage, Alaska news to to know whether it happened yeah, in twenty nineteen. I'm assuming feed on my phone. The yeah. fact that Nikki has got this in her list, I mean, I assume that means it definitely happened. Came true in yeah. in twenty nineteen. Like one of the other things on her list, Vesuvius erupting, uh, which she claims was a correct yeah. prediction from twenty nineteen. Definitely didn't happen. Didn't no. Did not erupt in twenty nineteen. No. So no. <laughs> no, nor did it. No. So it does does make me wonder whether some of the other things, like many shipwrecks found. Not yeah, sure yeah. whether that happened. Like one. <laughs> yeah, I like the I like the one. A huge chunk of ice coming off the Antarctic shelf. Yeah, no one could have predicted yeah. that. No. Um. Or or a typhoon hits Australia. Well. <laughs> That they happen all, most of the time, yeah. Uh-huh. During typhoon season, particularly, that 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 yeah. is known to happen. <laughs> and things like a yeah. member of the Rolling Stones rushed to hospital. <laughs> yeah, the member of the the septuagenarian Rolling Stones who ta- yeah. have taken a lot of drugs in the past and spend late nights jumping about. So, hospital. so it yeah. seems like Nikki's uh, predictions not only possibly haven't actually come true the ones that she claims has come true yeah but several of them are either incredibly obvious definitely going to happen or every year or yeah multiple um versions of the same thing happening yeah um so it kind of does does reduce her hit rate slightly and also um, some of the very specific <laughs> ones look like they've been filled in afterwards yeah now yeah, yeah. interestingly <laughs> nikki uh is not necessarily one of the more um, trusted psychics, even in the psychic community. <laughs> the the right? psychic yeah. guild says uh, of Nikki that yeah. um, she she should not be trusted. Basically, they they are <laughs> they they are not in favour of her because they say although she claims to be a psychic to the stars and has listed numerous famous Hollywood actresses and actors and her, as her clients, Nikki's website is one of the worst low budget, low quality websites you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> shade from really? the psychic guild <laughs> it says um and, and if her list of clients does include shirley mclean Cher, rod stewart matt dillon tom cruise etc then wouldn't her budget allow for her to have a better designed website with all the required information and an easy to navigate menu so yeah that is the psychic guild <laughs> doing a bit of critical thinking <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and and to be fair, she should have seen that coming. Yeah, and actually updated her website way ahead of them doing that. Unless and, her psychic powers don't, you know, extend to the digital world. <laughs> yeah, and one of the other accusations uh, about Nikki is that actually she does sometimes update her lists after the fact with things oh, right. that happened that year, like. Um, <laughs> 
if you look at the Internet Archive version of her site before Heath Ledger died, it doesn't yeah. mention anything about him on her death watch list. But right. after he died, it does suddenly say that she claimed that he would and is uh, has her on his her list yeah, of yeah. Uh, people to watch. So, and in, and in, her, in her defense, did she say, "Well, I knew it was going to happen. I just forgot to write it down." Yeah, maybe. So, yeah, I think this is, as as you said, a very classic Texas sharpshooter. She is, she yeah. is firing bollocks in all directions, <laughs> <laughs> and some of and it occasionally yeah. something happens. Yeah. Usually, yeah. the things that were almost definitely going to happen anyway. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. One of her examples, uh, one of her predictions for this year. A famous divorce in Washington. Nice. And yeah. A famous yeah. politician will resign. Yeah. yeah, I like that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A <laughs> large got... earthquake in Napa Valley was uh-huh. again in California. Yeah. yeah. More royal scandal. That's one. Yeah. Um Yeah. <laughs> I love the ones a crocodile will eat a movie star and yeah, a she's grizzly got bear will maul a movie star to death. Yeah. She's got some weirdly specific ones, which I think a lot of them she puts in her list every year. Um, on the off chance you never know if it happens then she can point to it and say look see (laughs) I've been saying this is going to happen she's yeah so she's got things like a serious horse injury around a country music star a live dinosaur will be found near a university (laughs) wow oh that is brilliant isn't it That is so good. That that even sounds like somebody looking at your palm in a in a tent <laughs> at a carnival. That's yeah. brilliant. Um and obviously she's got some of the ones that are extremely likely, like yeah. uh, health issues for Donald Trump. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Big surprise. Um she's got Scotland becoming independent, so there you go. That's uh-huh. definitely going to happen. Okay. Sean Spicer will be asked to do another reality show. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about that after Dancing yeah, no. with the Stars. <laughs> well, maybe I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. That yeah, maybe. Good. There's a real mixture of things yep. which... Uh, she's got about 20 different cities where she said a, par- a terror attack might happen. Yeah. Um, yep. Chicago, Just Toronto, Vancouver, LA, Paris, right. Las Vegas, oh, yeah. basically yeah. all the big cities. Um, Lizzo becoming yeah. an actress, which she's interestingly predicted after Lizzo was in Hustlers. So ah, um, that's there that's weird. Um, yep. Kanye West will have a meltdown. I mean, if there was ever a prediction <laughs> that was more guaranteed to come true. <laughs> <laughs> that's excellent. I like the other one. Uh, a, a town in, where is that? A town in the Arctic will melt <laughs> due, due to extreme heat. A town in the Arctic? No, uh, yeah. An Arctic town melts due to extreme heat. They don't make the towns what? out of snow. <laughs> no, there's that hotel that they make that out of ice, but that's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they, so, put, they light fires in it. So, and then, yeah. yeah, and then she ends the page uh, with a, a section she calls Death and Health Watch, which presumably right. means that if they die, that's a hit. And if they have any yeah. kind of health-related issue, that's a hit. And then she's yeah. basically listed every famous person she can think of. <laughs> There's, oh yeah, there we go. There's it's like just everyone who's alive. Two hundred names at least in yeah. there. Yeah. Um, including some, you know, very old people like yeah. uh, the Duke of Edinburgh. He's in there. Betty White, um, Sean yeah. Connery, who we yeah. you know a lot of these people we already know. Oh, have he's also listed. He's also listed in 
uh, a former James Bond actor will die. Yeah, that's in there too. Harry Belafonte, isn't he dead yeah, already? I think he may be, yeah. Dick Van Dyke, he's yeah. 94. Yeah. Yeah, so that... <laughs> Ruth, is... Ruth Bader Ginsburg, <laughs> she's in there. Yeah. Don't die, don't die, don't, don't die. No, 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 no. no. Uh, yeah, so this is Psychic Nikki's... Not so Her methodology yeah. is is to, to fire at the side of a barn and then the following year draw a target around <laughs> the things yeah. that, that she can even vaguely claim or pretend happened. And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. You've probably heard by now, but Trump authorised the drone strike killing Iranian General Qasem Soleimani. He did this, of course, as revenge for a rocket attack by a militia linked to Iran which killed an American contractor. No, wait, it was because Soleimani was planning on blowing up a US embassy. Which one? Uh, four of them. Which ones? Well, we don't actually know precisely where or when the attacks were planned for, but they were imminent and definitely not made up by us just now. What's that? The Secretary of Defence, Mark Esper, has said that he wasn't shown any evidence that embassies were under threat. Well, when Trump said embassy, he meant the one that was attacked last week. No, we didn't mention the imminent threat to four US embassies when we briefed senators after the drone strike. Yes, the briefing that even Republican Senator Mike Lee called insulting and demeaning and probably the worst briefing he'd ever seen. No, wait a minute, all the senators in the briefing claim we didn't tell them about the imminent threat to embassies, but we totally did. Anyway, we do have evidence. It's just super secret evidence that we can't show anyone. Jesus, why don't you guys just trust us? Look, he was a bad guy. If you Democrats love terrorists so much, why don't you marry one? OK, yes, the Wall Street Journal did report that Trump was telling his friends at Republican senators who he wants to keep sweet for the impeachment trial had been pressuring him to do something about Soleimani, but that doesn't mean he did it for personal gain. Those are all real things that happened this week. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> okay, just listen to this headline. Real estate broker taps Vanilla Ice to pitch Trump family on putting presidential library on site of trailer park. No, it's not from The Onion, but it is from The Hill, so it's real. Well, they're reporting it's in the Palm Beach Post, actually. Realtor James Arena, which reminds me of the Ruttles joke, Shea Stadium, named <laughs> after the... Uh, the, the revolutionary leader, Shea Stadium, has a mutual friend he shares with Trump, that good old boy and just as culturally appropriating in the 80s, Vanilla Ice. I oh, know! Apparently, he ran it by Don Jr., who said they're really into it. The site is called Briny Breezes. It's getting higher brow by the minute. 43 acres in Palm Beach, primarily consisting of mobile homes. Arena wants Trump to buy it for a billion dollars after a previous sale of $510 million fell through in 2007. The residents are apparently in need of the money, as Arena says in a not-so-upmarket turn of phrase. If we get caught with our pants down, we're going to get much less money and we're going to be told what to do. Well, you can see why he thought of Trump. And actually, where better to put the presidential library? Let's face it, it's not going to take up much room. How big a building do you need to contain a Sharpie and a mobile phone so the residents need not fear demolition? Arena adds he could even name the place Trump Town, which for us in the UK is deliciously close to Trumpton, a 1960s animated puppet show, except the puppets there don't speak Russian. The Trump organisation did not immediately respond to a request for comment from The Hill. 
During the whole Iran shit show, Trump took a short break to commit war crimes on Twitter when he threatened to target 52 Iranian cultural sites with no military value. Administration officials quickly claimed that he didn't mean that, and then Trump confirmed that yes, he totally did mean that, saying to reporters, They're allowed to kill our people, they're allowed to torture and maim our people, they're allowed to use roadside bombs and blow up our people, and we're not allowed to touch their cultural sites. It doesn't work that way. Actually, it works exactly that fucking way, according to the 1954 Hague Convention for the Protection of Cultural Property in the Event of Armed Conflict. It's like now he's been impeached, he thinks he can just commit all the crimes. What are they going to do? Impeach him? Yeah. And didn't Kellyanne Conway say they're hiding military installations underneath cultural sites? Did she? I didn't see that. Yeah. That's amazing. All right. And it's, yeah, no more true, but uh, quite amazing. Whilst we're on the subject of YouGov polls, a December 27, 2019 poll reveals that Germans think Trump to be a bigger threat to world peace than Kim Jong-un or Vladimir Putin. No surprise, really, if you watch biker-based films or TV series, it's always the guy prospecting to join the gang that's much more dangerous than the established gang leaders because he's just showing off, which, as we all know, is the very worst thing your mum could accuse you of. A keen believer in polls, Trump should be gratified that he leads the fear parade with 41% of Germans thinking Trump is the most dangerous, followed by Kim at 17%, Khomeini and Putin jointly at 8% and Xi at 7%. Even with Khomeini and Xi being added to last year's list, Trump still comes out top. And once again, YouGov showed his expertise because this was just before the drone strike on now not able to be added to next year's list Kazim Soleimani some seven days later. I, for one, am going to stop taking the piss out of predictions from now on. Where's my Nostradamus gone? Yeah, Nostradamus is another one for Texas Sharpshooter. Exactly. He, he he's wrote, not even alive. He wrote tons of quatrains. So much time. And, and yeah. now people look at individual ones and go, well, I, if I can just kind of twist this to mean something yeah. that is quite similar to something, I'll just draw a circle around that. Yeah, that Megan and Harry's baby was uh-huh. called Archie. It was predicted by Nostradamus in 1104. <laughs> yeah. Presumably, Thanksgiving was a difficult time for the committee to re-elect the president, with all the committee's liberal relatives complaining about Trump as they passed the turkey, because just in time for Christmas, they brought out a new website, brilliantly called (laughs) snowflakevictory.com, which promised to help Trump supporters win arguments with their commie pinko grandkids who moved to California. The site contains videos of luminaries such as Lara Trump giving viewers talking points that they can yell at their family while ignoring any replies. But to be honest, it would have been a lot quicker just to say, cherry pick the facts, and if you can't do that, lie. It works for the Donald. And remember, the snowflakes are the ones who don't need to be told what to say when someone challenges their political beliefs. That's brilliant. I'm going to go and download every single one of those videos and set them to music. Brilliant. Slate.com reports all that we suspected, nay, knew for sure, that Trump knows fuck all about business or trade or deficits or money or anything, when they looked into a report from the Federal Reserve into how well Trump's tariffs had served US businesses and workers and the job market. 
Not at all well, is the Fed's conclusion. President Donald Trump said that increasing the use of import tariffs would help protect US manufacturers. Turns out, though, his tactics did exactly the opposite, causing job losses while also increasing prices for consumers. Quote, we find the impact from the traditional import protection channel is completely offset in the short run by reduced competitiveness from retaliation and higher costs in downstream industries. Basically, Trump is running the racket like it's a hooch-running cartel in Chicago in the 30s, but they say Trump's entire strategy of tariff to make gains domestically is a thing of the past due to the way in which global supply chains are interconnected. The trade war is hurting the very sector it was supposed to protect. And as we have speculated out loud in past episodes, of course, just look where the money's going. As George Orwell reminds us, war only happens when the moneyed classes think they will profit from it. Trump and Christmas would always be connected thanks to his six-second cameo in Home Alone 2 Lost in New York. That is except in Canada, where national broadcaster CBC cut Trump's appearance when it showed the film over Christmas. Trump, for once, genuinely took it quite well, joking that the film would never be the same. But his supporters freaked the fuck out. And Charlie Kirk claimed that the clip was removed because it humanises a man the left loves to dehumanise, while Trump's second favourite child, Don Jr., called it pathetic, an example of virulent left-wing media bias. The fact that the edit was made in 2014, when CBC shortened the movie by eight minutes to make room for more commercials, is presumably proof that the deep state has a time machine, and they're clearly using it for the most effective way possible. Yep. Okay. Trump Playbook 2.0 being read from, well, looking at the scribbly pictures, and enacted in the UK under Boris's self-styled Government of the People Part 1. Appoint who you like. Nikki Morgan, she who can't count nurses, said she'd be standing down and wouldn't be part of BJ's cabinet under any circumstances. She was awarded a peerage so she can sit in the House of Lords, the US Senate equivalent, and thus be appointed to the cabinet which she has, without being voted in. No wonder she can't count nurses. She can't remember from one day to the next what she said, apparently. And Zach Goldsmith, who'd love to be in BJ's cabinet, but lost his seat in the election, second time he's lost it in three years, by the way, got made a lord too, so he can be in the cabinet. The 2016 Brexit cry of we've had enough of being governed by unelected politicians ringing hollow enough yet. As we were warned then, take back control actually involves looking at who's taking the control back. Part two, control media scrutiny. The daily press briefings are being moved from the lobby of the Houses of Parliament to the reception rooms at number 10, cutting off the ability of the press to literally bump into random MPs at their place of work and replacing it with timed and time-limited access to selected MPs in another part of town, thus meaning the press can't be in two places at once and what's being asked and answered can be carefully overseen. More depressing elected dictatorship news next time and for the following five long years. Hey, let's join Harry and Meghan in Canada. I'm okay with taking back control so long as we can take back alt and delete at the same time and just restart everything. (laughs) Nice. 
So that's all the bad <laughs> arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this episode. You can find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com and if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can support the show on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash ftrump. You can connect with us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fallaciousTrump. All music is by the outbursts and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right. Go home to mommy. Bye.